Welcome to The Art of Social Media, a podcast by Social Pilot. We host in-depth discussions with world-leading social media marketing experts that will help you discover the techniques, strategies, and skills you need to use to grow your business using social media. Now, here's your host, Tejas Mehta. Welcome to The Art of Social Media. I'm super excited to have Gary Bizzo with us today. Gary is a business startup marketing and branding specialist and has an international reputation as an agent of change using social media. Gary, you have over 30 years of experience and you work with several small and medium businesses and you have coached and mentored more than 1,000 businesses, including many owned by immigrants like myself. People have called you change leader and you are known to lead with example of empathy and that's pretty awesome. One of your interesting areas is brand influencing, social media influencing as well. And you worked with many large corporations, including Microsoft, PayPal, and 3M. Gary, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I have tons of questions to ask you, and I want to kind of get all your secrets for myself and all the listeners. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Tejas. And uh, yeah, hire that guy. It sounds He sounds really good. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Gary, you have quite a few things on your resume going on, like you're a professor. In marketing, you have authored a couple of books as well. You run multiple businesses. What's your origin story? How did Gary Bizzo became a social media influencer and a marketing rock star? Well, the title of the book is a little bit misleading. I didn't mean to impugn that I'm the social media rock star. I'm sort of hoping that I could create social media rock stars for my readers. But I guess I've been an entrepreneur since I was 12 when I picked up a camera and started taking photographs. And uh, over the years, I built it into a photography company and then a web development company and then a print production company and essentially an advertising agency. So, And then I thought I needed a change when digital came into the world in 2000. Uh, It's a long time ago, but one day I was on top of the world and the next day uh, photographers were a dime a dozen with digital cameras. So I uh, took my experience and I became a well, I ran a business incubator for 10 years, and I ran it for a company that allowed me to be my own entrepreneur at the same time. That was the deal. So it was very, I think it's a basis for all my future work was to work with so many companies and realize that one of the big problems is marketing. And digital came in and I'm an early adopter, so I just leaped on it and quickly found my little niche. Wonderful. So it sounds like you have putting the efforts and the work required. You kind of started with photography and then went on to build websites and then founded an ad agency as well. So it's not that you just kind of came out suddenly from a shell. It's like you have worked your way through kind of understanding the basics of marketing, making sure that you understand the fundamentals right, and then you have transported the skills into digital world. Does it sound right? Yes, yes. I quickly learned from running uh, 950 people through my incubator that I knew the pain points everybody was suffering and the issues that every entrepreneur goes through. So it was it was logical for me to to move into other areas like counseling and coaching and all that stuff. So it was very satisfying to be able to help people. Wonderful. No wonder you have thousands of followers on both Twitter and LinkedIn. So I'm pretty sure a lot of people find your content helpful. But help me understand how has the world of marketing evolved over the last 20, 30 years? You've been in the game long enough to comment on that. 
Well, it goes beyond that even. I mean, I know I look like I'm 32, but I'm really quite older. I think uh, the basis for all digital marketing today is traditional marketing, and that that is understanding your customer, knowing your customer's problems, and being able to adapt to it. And digital, to me, is just sort of smoothly transitioned into a, an easier way to help people because it's immediate. It's changing now, and you're just taking old techniques and building them up like content. Content has always been king. So digital marketing just gets it out there faster and to more people. Interesting. So you mentioned about having the fundamentals the same, meaning understanding your customers and understanding your customers' problem first before doing anything else. But it looks like a lot of new brands today just kind of come up, throw some money on Google ads or Facebook ads, and they think the marketing is working. Is that the right approach? Why is that happening? Well, people, when they hire me to do Facebook ads, they think I just write some a sentence of content and fire it off. But I do A-B testing, which means I provide, I come up with a campaign to test which kind of ad would go to which, to your customer that you're looking for. For instance, I was doing one for an investment company and they thought that their market was 50 to 60-year-olds with available cash and that they needed an aggressive approach on the ad. Well, I did testing and I found out that 30 to 40 was the perfect demographic and they just they didn't want to be pushed they just wanted to be informed so there's a dynamic there that you're trying to balance between information and a sales pitch interesting and how does social media specifically work what is the role of social media in this aspect in the previous world where everything was offline ads were prevalent you had to put in an ad to kind of get customers but now Data ads are kind of ignored. People want to be informed, as you mentioned, right? How has social media changed over a period of time? What do you see the dynamic coming in? Well, you used to be able, used to push ads out to people, and now you're bringing people in to you. A case in point is uh, Fazioli Pianos uh, from Italy, largest piano company in the world. Nobody knows about them, yet they just replaced all of Steinway's at the Juilliard School of Music, and they came to me and said, "We need a presence in Canada." How can you do it? Well, at that time, new privacy and advertising laws came out that you had to put an ad at the end. You had to say that it was an advertisement at the end of your tweet or post. So I got around that by creating a story. I did a campaign where I was casually walking along the seawall of Vancouver and I saw this beautiful piano in a window and I tweeted about it. The next one was me going in there, looking at it, and it progressed to the point where I actually went to the factory and took lessons, theoretically. Now, I had people from all over the world asking me technical questions about the piano. I can't play a piano, but the campaign was very successful. And the key points of determining whether it was successful is all they needed to do was sell one piano. Their pianos started 300,000. So that was my first real point where I realized that you give people information and let them decide what's valuable, as long as you get the story out. Right. And the storytelling has become more and more important as the market becomes very saturated, right? How does one go about creating great stories? What are the essential elements of storytelling? Well, if I'm a macro influencer, which I am, and I'm working with a company like uh, Huawei, for instance, they had two problems they had to overcome, getting their 5G released into North America, which was a problem, and uh, to release their CFO from the Vancouver prison. 
So I worked with them on brand awareness for the first part of it. And then I worked on reputation management for the second part. So we were successful on the second part, not so the first part. Once governments become involved, uh, I'm afraid I probably have Homeland Security on my doorstep looking at me every day now, but it's a job. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So political issues can become roadblocks. Businesses tend to be freer, but hey, who am I to comment on that? But going back to storytelling, how does one create great stories? There are quite a lot of formats, like create a villain first and then be a hero for the story and stuff. But your piano story seems to be very different. It talks about, it's like discovering a piano and then kind of getting into the details of it. Is that your style? That is my style. Yeah, it's just the way it is. I think that, uh, like in the piano case, I delved really deep to find interesting things about it. And the, I was just sitting there looking at this beautiful piano and the manager said to me, you know, this piano was signed by Herbie Hancock and was in Fifty Shades of Grey, the movie. One of the things you mentioned about in your blog as well that I was reading earlier today, it's about influencer marketing. How world has changed from just pushing people to buy things via ads to working with influencers and influencer marketing. What is influencer marketing? Well, you could also call it a key opinion leader. It's someone who has reached a certain pinnacle in their career business and they're, they've become an expert at it. That's one part of it. The other part is like lifestyle influencers where they've just put pushed content out so much that people look to them for clothing choices or makeup choices or something like that. The trend is also moving to micro and nano influencers. Micro would be under 10,000. Nano might be under 5,000 influencers. Mine is roughly six, 700,000. So depending on what day, what day it is. But yeah, I'm on a particular, uh, I'm on shadow ban with Twitter. I don't know what happened, but about five years ago, they stopped my growth from going past half a million. And now it's just been declining. So that's another one of those issues we all have to face as an influencer. Yeah. So on the influencer side, how does a brand decide what influencer to work with? If it's a new brand just starting up and they don't have the budget for like a big influencer like yourself or a quarterback, from football or Kim Kardashian, for example, how do they start small? How do I look for a nano influencer or micro influencer? Well, I've gotten upset with brands because they wouldn't hire me until they pointed out that they were in a specific market and they wanted someone that was younger with a more focused approach to their product. I mean, I'm not going to advertise a lifestyle unless I'm doing it. I was approached by Rolls Royce to do a, a lifestyle pitch campaign and uh, I said, no one's going to believe I'm driving one. So <laughs> so the nano influencer is sometimes a local person who's really well known, who's uh, got a lot of followers or small engaged followers is another way of looking at it. Engagement. And those are better for the small business sometimes. Well, most times because of what people like me charge. <laughs> right. And how does one go about finding these influencers? Is there a particular platform that you use or recommend to your clients? Should I just go on Twitter and find out people promoting products? In Canada, there's three or four that are agencies. You don't have to approach an agency to get an influencer. You'll probably get it a lot cheaper if you just approach them direct. It's not hard to find. Just punch in keywords on Twitter or any social media and you'll find the people with the numbers and the, the engagement level. Right. One of the aspects that I 
constantly see is authentic influencing. Like the way you mentioned, you'll not battle a Rolls Royce because that's not like a lifestyle that you promote. <laughs> but do influencers get in this moral dilemma or ethical dilemma of promoting product versus actually promoting something that they believe in? I think it's a dilemma for some people, but other influencers I know just have a strict policy. If they don't use it, don't believe in it, they won't promote it. There's work out there. They don't. They can be selective if they want. I'm in the same boat. I When I was approached to work with Huawei's CFO in jail, I read all the documentation and decided that, in my mind, uh, she was being set up. So I took the assignment. Otherwise, I think I would have passed. Got it. So promotes a lot of influences. Some influences kind of promote stuff they believe in, but others apparently don't have this ethical boundaries. So that's like a tricky one. I think the problem with influencers is it's up to their ethics to choose it or not, but they can't do it too often because if they're found out, they'll lose their, their influence. So it's not like a, an entrepreneur who's sort of walking a tightrope about right or wrong. It's This is a career choice. Sure. This also kind of brings me to this topic of social media rockstar. What's a social media rockstar and how do I become one? I'm so interested. Well, since I was an early adopter, I was quick to get a following. And I think when I was up to uh, 200,000, I was hacked by a 12-year-old kid in Virginia who stole my account. So I went to the FBI, to the CIA to try to uh, get it back. And they weren't helpful at all. What's an influencer? At that point, I was making a lot of money as an influencer. So suddenly uh, my income stream was gone. So I sat on my laurels for three months and decided what to do. And then I went back with a vengeance and went after, I went after client or not clients, but followers. And I provided content. And I think it's all about the content brings the followers. They're not going to follow me just because I'm a number or a cute face. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, slightly debatable topic, but I, I would not get into cute faces getting more followers, especially on TikTok. But yeah. I see your point. But let's talk about content, right? So if I were to become like a social media rock star, what kind of content should I produce? Well, how about content that is relevant to your demographic that you've identified as a possible client, but make it so it's not a sales pitch. Like I'm not even talking an advertorial. I'm talking about back in the old days when there was newspapers, quite often people would, and me included, would write articles for the community newspaper about marketing. And I wouldn't mention me, except at the very end, it would have my name and my email address. So in that respect, you're becoming a, an expert and people follow experts. But is Twitter a place to kind of do meaningful content? Isn't it too short? <laughs> well, I do what I call collateral marketing. And, and what it is, it's I'll write an article for a, a magazine. I'll put it on LinkedIn as a post, send it over to Facebook. Promoted on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram and everywhere else, and then go back and forth until I wear that article out. So it suddenly becomes everywhere at once. So there's a lot of repurposing of content here based on an external article. Well, there's, there's 50, 50 million content creators in the world at the moment. Yeah. That's not but, counting the guy who thinks he's a content writer. <laughs> right. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So then there's a need to kind of constantly remind people of the content that you created. Makes a lot of sense. Does the same content work on LinkedIn or Twitter and Twitter? Or like, is there like a difference in the audience and difference in the way people interact? 
Oh, yeah. On Facebook, I can be more personal. On LinkedIn, I'm more professional. The articles are different. They're more business on LinkedIn. Twitter, it's more opinion-based. Just to, Sometimes I do things just to get a rise out of people. I've been using a thing called Getter, which is trying to outpace Twitter, but they're very, very conservative. So again, I got to put my content to suit the audience. I was on TikTok for a I was on two TikTok episodes and we gained over a million followers for each one. Wow. In one day. But it's not sustainable for me because I that's not my I'm not interested in a 30 second post. A million followers is commendable. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. The Art of Social Media is brought to you by Social Pilot. To find out more about Social Pilot and how we can give you everything you need to hit your social media marketing goals, visit socialpilot.co. And then make sure to search for The Art of Social Media in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Make sure to click follow so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Social Pilot, thanks for listening.